You're listening to Star Trek Stuff with Anne. That's a bitch of a sandwich. And Adam. An entire <laughs> economy based on, like, lube and condoms. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Star Trek Stuff. No, really, do that. I wanted to make a personal note um, about an episode where we talked about religion a couple episodes ago, and I just wanted to make sure that everybody knows I am not an expert on Islamic religion. My oversimplification of, you know, what I said does not do hundreds of years of history justice. The history of the Islamic world and everything is extremely fascinating, and you should look it up. One podcaster that was an Islamic studies minor at Georgia Southern University more than 10 years ago has no credibility and no voice about what the different sects of Islam believe. So I just wanted to make that very clear. So... Okay, well, fair enough. I mean, we did get a whole lot of fatwas <laughs> just like fell all over our tiny Star Trek show. <laughs> I haven't been hey, outside man. and <laughs> I haven't been outside since. Man, that, that guy got beheaded in France. Oh, yeah. Over like showing a picture from a magazine, you know, like fuck all that. So I just wanted to make it very clear. I'm not an expert. Okay. It's just what I remember from when I studied it. All right, fair enough. So I disagree with these experts. Somebody's got to stand up to experts. Plus, I don't want to offend any Muslim listeners that we might have. You know, I mean, God. We do have plays in the United Arab Emirates. We do have people listening uh, in the UAE, and we have people listening in Palestine. That's super cool. Yeah, we have specifically shouted out our Palestinian listener or listeners. We don't know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, let's see where else. I think that's it as far as the Middle East goes. I was like, oh, this isn't going to, oh, I don't like it. I didn't like this episode. Now that I, and then I watched it again, this is a great fucking episode. It really, really is. This felt like a TNG episode. Yeah. This was next level for Enterprise. I was so happy with this. Absolutely. I This was the first one that I saw and immediately wanted to watch again. Yeah, and it was written by Maria and Andre Jacques Metten. Yeah, see, if I had a French accent, it'd sound probably accurate. I forgot to look up uh, who they were, who wrote this. I think I forgot who directed it, too. It's uh, James Contner. Okay, he's done, he's done episodes already, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What else did they write? They wrote Breaking the Ice uh, and another one called Acquisition. Okay. Um, yeah. We were kind of meh on Breaking the Ice, I remember. Yeah. That one also had really good special effects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This one, I think, though, was much better written. Oh, yeah. Are they a couple, Jacques Maton? It certainly seems like that. Or maybe they're a brother-sister team. I mean, I don't know. Oh, it's, I find that really strange. No, it's his wife. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. his wife. They wrote three episodes. He wrote for Highlander. What? Here we are, the kids. And Baywatch. Nice. I love this first scene. Mm-hmm. Open up on the sick bay, and Fox goes around feeding everything. And he's talking to the animals. Bird with our furry friends. And animals. Think of the amazing 
amazing repartee. And I love that all of them are fun, really simple, practical effects. Yeah. Yeah, me too. No CG creatures that look like Mm-mm. shit. Yeah. It all looks great. They just kind of put a thing in a box and shake the box. It's like super simple puppets. Yeah. Yeah. He feeds a bug to one thing and then nom eats another one. <laughs> <You know? laughs> this whole scene is fantastic. Yeah. It doesn't set up much. Um it sets up for a bookend, but it sets up um later in the episode he talks about how Archer talks to his dog. Oh, you who's a good boy. I am. I'm a good boy. But no 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 look, look. I I I got I got stuff to do today. All right? And I'm like, dude, you were talking to all of your animals. Like in the beginning of the episode. He does mention later, he's like, he's like, Archer talks to a dog. But then again, I yeah. talk to my somebody, somebody, what about whatever the, the thing right. is. Uh, it sounded like the thing that he was. His something bat. Yeah. So not a whole lot there. Just kind of a fun. This is going to be a Flox episode. Right. Exactly. And then we go, go to, to our theme. Hoshi Brink walks in to bring Phlox his mail, which, okay, this seems weird. Yeah. Is she the only communications person? I mean, is she the only one doing everything having to do with communications? It is weird that she would be the mail carrier. Like, she's yeah. she's the person who you see in those commercials about offices because no place where I've ever worked has this, <laughs> where you got the, like the one kid with the headphones on and a little cart walking around handing out all the mail yeah. and stuff like that. This doesn't happen. That's not how it works. It's weird that that is your your comms officer. Yeah. And yeah. She has no one else. Never mind the fact that, you know, email exists. Right. Email already <laughs> exists by the time this yeah. show came out. That's got to be tough writing that, though, because you're like, well... We have email like already. Like yeah. people can record videos and stuff already. <laughs> this is like 2000, 2001, yeah. whatever, yeah. when this was written. Uh huh. So I don't know how big YouTube is at this point. Right, right. But it's still easy to record something and send it to someone yeah. without oh, having yeah. to like take out a giant data chip you know, and hand it over, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be tough because you've got that, Mm -hmm. that reality already Mm -hmm. and audiences watching this, some of whom presumably aren't already Star Trek fans. Cause remember when they started the show, they didn't put Star Trek in front of it. Right. Right. This first season did not have Star Trek in front of the name. Whoa. What? Right. They just wanted to be enterprise, Mm -hmm. but you know, as a writer, like, um, about a hundred years from this point they're going to have all their information on those like little box data tape things Mm -hmm. that spock would have Mm -hmm. and things like that so i mean i don't know you do what you can it's kind of like they are trying to bridge two worlds really you know they're trying to bridge our world our you know shared reality with the reality of the tos era because in the tos era they had those uh sort of disc like cards that were about like two inches by two inches and they were squares and they Mm -hmm. came in all kinds of different colors and stuff maybe that was what they were kind of going for yeah but it still made me go 
don't they have email? <laughs> you know, like, it still made me fail that way. I was just like, what? <laughs> so he's, the reason why he gets this mail is he's helping a human doctor who's working on Denobula. And I would love to see that shit. Seriously. Can you imagine? I mean, doc, I love doctors. <laughs> I, most of, I, all the doctors that I have right now are great but they do have a reputation of you know feeling a little godlike and you know blah 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 so one of them goes to another planet with a totally different species and Phlox has repeatedly Mm -hmm. called humans simple and easy and you know and so forth yeah so here's a doctor who's you know good at humans maybe he's an exobiological doctor you know whatever um and he goes to Denobula and it's like fuck he knows nothing. Oh, you're not as smart as you think you are. I picture life on Denobula just a constant fuck fest, though. Right? Like, or it would be. It would be. Now that I think about it, this doctor who he's talking to, who they're uh, corresponding back and forth with. Right. Um, this doctor is talking about mating, mating season. season. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess maybe that keeps keeps the chaos to a yeah 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 well an entire (laughs) economy based on like lube and condoms Jesus! (laughs) but right before that they talk about pen pals and i'm like did did you ever did you ever have a pen pal that was kind of dying uh when i was a kid because email started happening but uh, there, I remember there being a couple of kids from the one summer camp-ish thing that I went to uh, that we kept in touch with actual physical mail letters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that was pretty much dying out. It, in in my generation, it was it was still very much a. Do you want to have a pen pal in another country? And like. Yeah, I was all I was like into it. I was like, hell yeah, you know, and like I'd write to this person that never wrote back or they'd write back once and I'd forget to write them back. And it never lasted more than like one or two letters ever. How were those set up? Like, how do you get started with a pen pal with someone in a whole nother country? There was like services that would go through like the United States embassies and and stuff like that. There was um, I know I remember when I was a kid, there was definitely one that was like, you know, wanted you to uh, talk to kids in Russia. But like the kids had to be Hmm. fluent in, you know, English and stuff like that. So it was pretty rare. So you, most of the time it was like pen pals in New Zealand or Australia or England or, you know, places like that. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it just it because you're talking about like fifth graders, max, you know, <laughs> so like, yeah, they're yeah. not they don't have the fucking attention span to be like, oh, yeah, I have a pen pal and blah, blah, blah. You know, but then there's always some girl who's like really into horses who has this pen pal friend who like you know they meet in high school and you know you know what i'm saying like it's always one of those there's always a girl like that that like has her journals from since when she was like two years old and started learning to write and writes in her journals at least three or four pages every night and uh, <laughs> what she hilarious I never have any idea what she's talking about but she's so entertaining yeah. i have more shit to do than that this scene really sets up the Hoshi and Doc thing that they have in this episode. Mm-hmm. It's happened before a couple of times. Like there was the one where, you know, the slug is Hoshi, Hoshi's the slug, mm-hmm. that whole thing. Mm-hmm. That kind of started, they did a little bit of that there. 
And then uh, there was the thing where she is trying to find out about Reed's the pineapple, the pineapple, the fucking pineapple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Hoshi and Doc really work to me, like as buddies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I real they, there's like a, a, a whatever kind of chemistry there where uh, them two on the screen together is just really pleasant. It is. And they're just good, like, friends and stuff. And I just think it's fun to watch. It I don't is. know what that type of chemistry is, but it's great. It is. And I think it's used really well in this episode. And it keeps coming back to it in this episode. Mm-hmm. And it sets up mm-hmm. really, really well here. Yeah. Yeah, especially because there's also a scene where it's very, it's super sad because, like, he's eating alone. And, like, nobody has the time to sit with them and eat with them, you know. And, and, and you're like, oh. But then, you know, then he has, you know, Hoshi to be friends with and stuff. So it's really nice that he has that relationship. There's a few scenes in this where it's the voiceover of him leaving a voicemail for his friend that's on Denobula. Right. And I'm kind of skipping past this one pointless, really, scene, I think. I think this was a con- I think this was a contract scene where, okay, I'm not skipping past it, where Flox <laughs> <laughs> gets called to engineering, and right. there's a guy with a literal sunburn, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, Trip is in the scene, and he has a couple lines, and I was just like, why was that? there? I don't get it. it. It was kind, I think it was kind of showing that, like, his day-to-day activities aren't very stressful and aren't very like like most of the time he's not doing anything really um strenuous on his brain okay you know it's nothing's really making life hard for him most of the time okay yeah yeah i figured it was contractual like because sure there's only one other short bit with trip and he has one line there and he has one line here and i'm like because <laughs> a lot of times that's what the writers have to have to do yeah, because oh, of the, yeah they have they to have put the contracts mm-hmm. where okay if i'm yep. gonna be principal cast you have to be in the episode that exactly <laughs> the, what i love about this this part of that um, letter writing though is he talks more there, there's more more talk about mating season mm-hmm. gross um, and he advises a drug for separating the two combatants yeah I love that what <laughs> I love that because it's just like this line that's there that he understands <laughs> and like... his uh, <sighs> the person he, his friend understands but we don't and so <laughs> yeah. your mind just reels <laughs> like it just goes yeah. into overdrive like wait wait You're did like, they have what? to wait what huh <laughs> and then then he talks about cabin bars then what are cabin bars don't go in unescorted they can be disturbing to the uninitiated <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not going to have chalkboards outside advertising ciabatta and uh, whole ground beef burgers i misunderstood i thought it was like cave in bars like there were bars inside of caves like that was like a hip thing i always watch with the with the subtitles all oh, right and what they had was cabin k-a-y-b-i-n oh so it's like um like maybe a particular fla- type of alcohol or something or a type a particular type of um intoxicant yeah so it could be like sort of like a, a hookah bar okay yeah you know gotcha. or something but what yeah can this be disturbing to the uninitiated <laughs> i want to go <laughs> what 
It sounds like a party to me. So yeah, so this is this very next scene is is uh, Flock sitting in the mus- mess hall and nobody wants to sit with him and it's really fucking sad. You know, it is sad. He's like the most interesting person so far. Yeah, they're spending all this time trying to find aliens. They have one who's who's really interesting. And like a really sweet, really nice guy, really warm person. And nobody wants to hang out with them. Like, fuck this crew, man. No shit. In the last episode, they reveal themselves to not enjoy bad sci-fi flicks. Right. And then now they like won't hang out with flocks. Like, come on, man. Like Mm -hmm. they they keep telling us these people suck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Basically. That's awful. It is. Why? They're explorers. I mean, for God's sakes, here's a fucking person from another planet. Talk to them. And he's got a really interesting, like, complicated family and yeah. the way that the whole that you know, we find that out later in the episode. And he's cool. Fucking hang out with he's, that guy. Yeah. No shit. Dicks. Fuck this <sighs> crew, man. Yeah. Fuck these people. I noticed he's specifically eating a club sandwich. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll try your nice. club sandwich. <laughs> club sandwiches are awesome. Yeah, yeah. They really are. They do rock. Um, I haven't had so a club sandwich in forever. A club sandwich really? is not something you ever make for yourself at home. Am I right? That's very true. No, you're absolutely right. The the um the only way you would would be is if you had like 10 people over and everybody wanted sandwiches, but you had to have like bacon and ham and turkey and cheese and lettuce and tomato i mean that's that's a bitch of a sandwich yeah you can't just do that for yourself you could but you kind of feel like an asshole like yeah going exactly through that much meat and that much <laughs> cheese for one sandwich luckily bacon is as much of a pain in the ass as it used to be yeah wait how what's different about bacon because you can get that pre-cooked stuff you know I don't know if I've ever bought pre-cooked bacon. Oh God, it's so it it's great. It is great. I don't understand. Wait, I mean, it's already cooked, and they just refrigerate it, and you just like take it, put it on some paper towels, put a paper towel on top, and microwave for like fifteen seconds. Boom, you got fresh bacon. Oh, okay. Well, that would not be fresh bacon, but I'm being pedantic. Well, but I mean, you know, yeah. The, Okay, yeah, all right, I guess. I've never done that. I actually haven't had a working microwave in years now. Oh, they're not they're not expensive anymore. No, they're not. I just haven't really just, needed one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, just, we cook everything on the stove or the grill. I mm-hmm. grill out about every other day, so, I, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't really, eh, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> speaking of great food, somebody loves cheese. Porthos has been sick, babe, because he's been eating cheese. He's been eating too and, much cheese, Porthos. And- Porthos! <laughs> <laughs> we get some good Porto shots in this too. We do, we do, and he like picks him up and he holds him, and then he's running along beside him, and yeah, it's really a good, it's a good Porto scene. Who's a good boy? I am a good boy. I like my chew toy. I like bringing joy. When I'm going poop, I look up at my boy. Hey, look, a throw pillow. Can't wait to destroy. I like chasing squirrels. I like chips ahoy, but I can't eat chocolate or else I will die. And Flox is like, you have to stop giving him cheese, you know, and he's. He's like, okay. He goes on a little bit in his uh, voiceover voicemail about how he thinks it's a little odd that humans love animals so much. And I'm like, uh, you have been talking to your like your medicinal animals 
every morning yeah. and like talking to them and like having conversations with them and like and so I mean the one he's like oh you were busy last night and oh don't snap my fingers off and I mean he had conversations with them just like anybody does and I just think I think it was it was funny because he just didn't I don't think he realized he was doing it you know yeah I think it's a habit that he's picking up himself exactly from and he's the not humans. even realizing yeah, not it. even knowing it yep yeah. yeah so the next scene is they're watching a movie um, and I had to look it up because it's uh, it looked interesting. It's a Gary Cooper movie with Ingrid Bergman playing a, a Swedish woman playing a Spanish woman. Okay. Oh Jesus. Um, for it's a uh, for whom the bell tolls, based on Hemingway book. <laughs> based on the Metallica song. For whom the bell tolls, I marches on. For whom the bell tolls. I wish with Gary Cooper. He wants to see if there's like some kind of cumulated emotional response. Yeah. Like somehow everybody's going to like scream at the end or something. I, th- I think he should sit at like the front and watch everybody that way. That would at be better. At the front? How would he do that? Well, because he's watching everybody else. He's not watching the movie. Yeah. So he should be at the back. Yeah, but if you're at the back, you can't see what's on people's faces. Okay, yeah, I got you. Yeah, I I like this idea, though, that he's just kind of doing the observing scientist thing. Yeah, yeah. He's doing the exo, exobiology? I don't know. Um, it's anthropology. It's anthropology, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exo-anthropology? I don't know. Yeah, totally. He's finding what's going on around him more interesting than the movie, the movie itself. Yeah. And... It's pretty good, uh, and I love this because when you go back and you see it again, you start paying more attention to Culver. Cutler. Cutler? Yeah. Cutler. Oh, right. Culver is a Midwestern fast food chain. Right. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, they opened up one in Georgia. It's like, it's so weird. There's one in Georgia, and it's right next to the only Del Taco in Georgia. <laughs> oh, man. I love Del Taco. God damn it. It's in Gainesville, Georgia. Oh, fuck that place. Those those two are right next to each other. <laughs> um, post-production editing notes. There's actually a bunch of Culver's in Georgia. I just didn't know that is <laughs> all. Um, but he, uh, he, this is interesting to me. He says, he says to Cutler, Denobulans don't really, don't really have movies or TV. He says they, they used to have something like it, but discovered their real lives were much more interesting. And I'm sitting there going... Uh, that sounds nice and you know it sounds like oh well we're you know much more interested in being present and all that that, that's fine but it also means that a huge part of their arts is missing in their culture storytelling mythology all of that is missing fair enough you know i was curious to see what you thought of that because I keep thinking, like, at some point, are we going to give up Fuck no. social media? Fuck no. We love telling each other stories. It's, it's such a massive part of human culture. Not just American culture or anything like that. It's a human cultural thing, storytelling. Because we're telling, not only are we sharing experiences and learning, you know, things that we've learned and things like that, but we're also, you know, dealing with trauma, how we deal with things that are dangerous. We always tell stories. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip. I think you're right. I mean, even if it changes to where... 
we end up with like a, a common immersive VR experience or if it becomes a full-blown holodeck yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I think you're right. Like we will always tell stories somehow. Yeah. Every culture has its own stories. Absolutely. And they, and they all have common threads. You know, there's common threads throughout all the stories that you tell. You know, I mean, some, read some Joseph Campbell. You know, what I mean, like all of that is. I mean, he's he's fairly fairly Western in his uh you know study, but you know not completely. So I mean, he sees all these you know threads that go through all these different cultures. Having these patterns show the necessary ness of telling stories. So it's it's. I was just like, yeah, that sounds terrible, dude. like no i don't think we'll ever give up the narrative tale in whatever form that that is do you think that we will ever for the same reasons that he's saying found their real lives more interesting do you think that we'll ever get rid of social media it will just change yeah i think this is a just a first step of how we'll interact with each other social media is a huge jump i mean if you think about it it's like letters then telephone then social media yeah will change how we get this you know how we communicate but it will still exist yeah i don't know it's just something i was thinking about like i like i kept thinking about our real lives are more interesting than like blank like what mm-hmm. in our culture would fit in that space that we all kind of you know what man and walk away from right in terms of like media and entertainment Mm -hmm. and the closest thing i could think of with social media was people just eventually having enough and dropping out well some people do and and they get along just fine i honestly envy them at this point it is an irreplaceable part of our lives even if you are totally averse to social media you may work in a business or you may own a business where you have to be on social media if you want business. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there it's very much an unavoidable reality at this point. I mean, we need Facebook for the show. It's a, a, a good part of our online presence is the, the Facebook uh, group, mm-hmm. which is Star Trek Stuff Podcast. If you're on Facebook, uh, search us out. Yep. We'd love to have you on board. Yeah. The thing that's fun to watch in this, though, is, uh, is Cutler. When you see it again because i think that the first time you see it it's just normal she's just sitting there or whatever but later on things kind of develop a little bit with her going back and watching this i really liked cutler and sort of her body language and and everything like it was it was subtle everything was subtle like there there was something that was I, i thought was actually pretty funny but sort of got buried. I don't know. Maybe you, maybe you totally saw this. I, I, I felt like I, I totally missed it the first time. But um, they kind of talk about the movie and she's like, oh, you're going to love the ending or the movie next week or something, blah, 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 blah. They're talking. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she offers him some popcorn and he takes the whole thing. Yeah. And she kind of just like looks at him like, what the fuck? Like you could see it all going like through her face. And then there's a wide shot sort of over their shoulder and behind them. She's just like looking. She's still looking at him. And she's like, well, I shouldn't be mad. I mean, it's right here. I can still get popcorn. And he probably doesn't realize that he shouldn't have taken the whole thing of popcorn. Maybe it's cultural. Should I say something? Is it weird if I say something? I mean, it's still (laughs) right next to me. So... 
I'm right. not, I mean, I'm not mad, but it's just kind of weird. But like, it sh- I shouldn't be <laughs> mad though. I mean, come on, <laughs> like it's all playing in her head yeah, right yeah. there, and I I love her for it. Right, like, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The other great part is when uh, Florida man is crying. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's just something in my eye. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. his only other line beautiful. in this whole thing, too. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. That's it. Pack it up. Go home. That's it. That's good for him, then. Um, and Flox is amazed at the depths of human compassion. You know, they're they're feeling this way. I mean, these people have, you know, been stared death in the face, and they're still they'll still cry over a movie. And I'm like, well, that's just it's a it's a theme that he keeps coming back to well that the episode keeps coming back to uh human compassion human empathy and i think that's great Mm -hmm. because i think we Mm -hmm. need more of that in the world jesus christ yes we do um so when they're going home or he's walking to her her to her cabin they're going over medical terms um and she makes this really dumb statement about him not knowing much about the human heart like yeah it's very Okay. Yeah, that's pretty cheap ball. Yeah. Um, but she's trying to get him to realize that she wants a date and it's not working. And in the process, she touches him and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I know Denobulans don't like to be touched. And he says, it's, it, it's okay. He's trying to shed some of those ideas. And so she kisses him on the cheek. Yeah. I love that. That she goes, fuck it. I'm going for it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. girl. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> so we first met Cutler on the episode where they go down to that planet and everybody has a really bad trip and Trip has a really bad, like, yes. full-blown Jacksonville <laughs> <laughs> moment. Yeah. She's one of the people on that planet. So we have seen her before. Yes. Uh, which I like. I hate when mm-hmm. they just, like, throw somebody in. It happened a lot on TNG and even more it infuriatingly did. on Voyager because there's like 10 people on the ship and then mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, and since somebody blah, 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 is here and doing a thing and a whatever new storyline. What? Who's that? There's yeah. only 100 people on the ship. Like, good. Anyway, so I'm very right. glad that they did this. They brought <laughs> this actress back to develop her a little bit more, uh, even if it is just like relationship stuff. But still, uh, it's, it's yeah. just nice to see that they did that and i think she's i think she's pretty good she is yeah um, i like her a lot and and she's um she's smart and she's not uh a supermodel you know which is okay yeah (laughs) just want to let everybody know it's okay not to look like a supermodel yeah it's actually great berman (laughs) excuse me mr berman him and his boob thing jesus <laughs> i did note I, I had a berman i had a berman moment uh later on <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it but yeah you, okay you, you okay. may have spotted it as well uh you probably you probably spotted it oh i'm sure yeah so we get to the bridge and there is a ship drifting on its own with no power and it, it looks th- they gave you such a quick look at it and since the ship itself doesn't have any power it's really hard to tell but it looks like it had been attacked i blinked and i missed it it had what looked like pock marks on it oh wow okay yeah it's hard it was really hard to tell but they don't talk about it so you know maybe not whatever ahab's like where you know where's it from and turns out there's a planet that's not too far away and the ship itself is actually pre-warp so they bring it aboard and there are two faint 
life forms aboard. So they bring these guys on. They're in sick bay. Phlox wakes them up. I love mm -hmm. this guy's outfit. I want it. It's everything. It's totally yeah. Yeah. the time traveler outfit, uh -huh. except it's gray instead of black. It is cool. Yeah. It's really detailed. It is. has all these uh, pointless, cool Strings, Strings going <laughs> horizontally. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's just righteous. I love it. It is. And I love that Flocks refers to them as astronauts. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I did too. I did too. I loved that. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they so they're, they're having this conversation. They're trying to get him to talk. And, you know, after just a minute or two, they get the universal translator working. So which is, which is a cool, um, we haven't seen it work well before like we've had it uh hoshi using it on like a computer and getting the computer to talk or you know but when she has a hard time with a person we haven't really seen one a situation where it works well with with a person mm -hmm. so this is uh, a good uh example of that i was impressed by how small it was like i was thinking about mm -hmm. the uh the tos era tricorders and how they're those right. big boxy things you know mm -hmm. and <laughs> but she's got a universal translator in like this little kind of almost flip phone. Like, I, I guess it's basically yeah. smartphone sized. Yeah. It has yeah. a little kind of flip up thing to it. I remember in the episode where aliens hanging upside down that were dead. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She had like a big uh, iPad kind of thing. Yeah, it was much bigger. And that was the universal translator interface that time. Mm -hmm, so, I mean, mm -hmm. they shrunk that thing. Yeah. <laughs> big time over the course of a couple of weeks. Maybe somebody was like, this is too big. I like the big iPad thing. I do eh, too. Whatever. <laughs> it's cool. So the astronaut is talking about how he and three other ships left Valakis uh, a year before to see if they could find a cure for their terrible hair. I mean, illness. Um, <laughs> and they left to find more advanced people to see if, you know, someone else can could cure it. And they've encountered other warp-capable species, uh, the Mekexla, Meklexa, Meklexa. I was hoping you'd have that one because I wrote Meglexa, and I was like, that's not right. I don't, I don't know what it is, though. <laughs> it's M apostrophe K-L-E-X-A, Meklexa. Oh, okay. I guess. All right, yeah. And then work. the dun-dun-dun Ferengi. Eek. Oh um, shit! Yeah, our first chronological mention of Ferengi. Uh huh. Greed is eternal. So I'd never heard of the Maclexa. I guess they were eaten by either the giant space cornucopia from the Doomsday Machine, or maybe the giant amoeba from the Immunity Syndrome. Whatever. Or an early victim of the crystalline entity. Yeah, there you go. Um, whatever. It seems like to Paul really seems like she's lying. When she says she's never heard of both of those. It is hard to believe that the Vulcans never met the Ferengi. Yeah. And I remember in DS9, we find out that the, Fer I'm pretty sure it was DS9, that the Ferengi mm. got warp tech very early on. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the Ferengi territory, uh, it's not that huge on like the galaxy map. No, right. Uh, and I'd like to think that it's because they're just so hyper-capitalistic. Like the economy is just going to keep like rising and crashing and rising and crashing to right. the point where <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't keep that like just steady just yeah. federation style like uh democratic socialism or yeah. social democracy or whatever it is i don't know yeah well i mean it's it's so hard to tell because you have 
really high medical technology. Um, you have replicators. Why would you need money? That's fairly established that they don't yeah. have money right. within the Federation. But this is all pre-Federation. Um, right. True, I don't true, know true. if they... At this point, like, does the Enterprise crew have money? Have they gotten rid of money yet? I, I, I don't know if I they've done know. that, though. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make sense if they... I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. I like the idea that the Ferengi had warp tech early, but, like, just fucked up. So. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes... It makes perfect sense, too. I mean, how many times would... You know, I'm, I'm sure there's been Ferengi explorers who have gotten killed because they did some stupid shit you know so they their expansion would grow and then they piss somebody off and it shrinks back again you know just like their economy you know <laughs> like how come nobody's buying brondo the thirst mutilator ah shit half the country works for brondo not anymore and the stock has dropped to zero and the computer did that auto layoff thing to everybody we're all unemployed i think that makes the economy suck so the preternaturally calm dude with the bad hair and lots of strings on his outfit uh wants flocks to help them with their you know massively terrible disease and uh asks ahab if he will allow flocks to come help them um which i thought was a really interesting thing mm -hmm. like he doesn't ask flocks will you help us he says you know ahab will you allow flocks to help us uh i noticed that too and i think that it makes sense later on as we get the context of their culture yeah absolutely um, so Ahab walks off with DePaul and she totally agrees that because they've already met warp capable species and they came looking for other warp capable species, the risk of contamination is acceptable. Fuck it. Oh, fuck it. Yes, that's your answer. That's your answer to everything. She knows him by now. She's like, this motherfucker's going. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's going to do it. He's, he's going to <laughs> He's going to go, and you know what? It's really not that big a deal. It's fine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think you may be onto something that she's lying about the Ferengi. I really do. She, The way she said it was like, he, he was like, have you ever heard of him? She's like, no. She like had to think about it for a second. She was like, no, I don't think so. You lied. I exaggerated. So, and then Phlox also, again, notes the depths of human compassion. And I'm like, is are Denobulans just cold assholes? Like, right. he's really, like, pointing this out over and over again. And it's, I mean, it's beautiful. It's wonderful to hear. But, like, I'm kind of like, that makes me wonder. Granted, we haven't met any other Denobulans uh, so far. Mm -hmm. But... He just doesn't strike me as a cold ass motherfucker. No, like, exactly. He's not. He's totally compassionate. Yeah, it's hard to believe that he comes from a planet of just cold bastards that are just like, mm -hmm. ah, you are suffering. Well, that's not us. So we'll just keep on going. Right. I, exactly. I, it's hard to picture him coming from that kind of culture. But I mean, I, yeah. he's such a warm and friendly person. And later he says something about, you know, um, uh, he's talking to you know Dr. Jeremy um, and he's saying how you know his hardest uh, or the most amount of patients he had was was in some kind of emergency he had 50 people um, and that Ahab is asking him to take on 50 million patients 
And I'm thinking, I bet you Ahab did not think of it that way. I'm sure. You're a healer. There's a patient. That's an order. The next scene is, uh, and it, I mean, this is a very flocks heavy episode. Like it really revolves around him. Um, the next scene is him and uh, Hoshi uh, speaking in Denobulan, um, trying to, you know, she's learning Denobulan. And he seems really reluctant to talk about his patients, um, about the two dudes with the bad hair. <laughs> Hoshi's getting better with the native, you know, with Denobulan. And I love the nostril joke. That was hilarious. Yeah, that's good. And she broaches the subject of him and Cutler. Yeah, I love this. It's a really cute scene. If it had been written just straightforward in English, it would have mm-hmm. been fine because the two of them have a good chemistry and it's fine sure. and everything. Mm-hmm. Flocks look, looking for answers about relationships gets odder as... Yeah. <laughs> As we learn more, but we're talking about interspecies dating. So yeah. he is in new, t- as experienced as he is, he is in new territory. And definitely he talks to people that are very different about it, mm-hmm. but have very different perspectives. Yeah. And I love that he's talking to Hoshi about it first because they're friends. Like this is mm-hmm. uh, a thing with these two. They're, they've yeah. bonded over stuff before. And uh, I, I love this whole Denobulan thing. Yes. Adding that extra language layer where they're in and out of a language. Yeah. And he's kind of helping her with it. And uh, it, it's fantastic. I, yeah. I love this scene. It's really cute. And uh, once again, we're in the mess hall for the really human connection. Exactly. Kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. The, the, yeah. I shouldn't say human connection because only one of them is a human. But right. the, the character, character connections. Yeah. Character connections. Yeah. She says that they're a really cute washboard. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but uh, so they've arrived at the planet uh, where the calm but sick dude with the bad hair is from. Um, Phlox talks about how struck he is again by humans desire to help others and how he, you know Ahab has committed the entire ship's resources to see if we you know they can help these people um and I'm like oh flocks if you only you knew how things were right now in 2020 um, <laughs> I mean this is it, it's not uh, so far outside of the mission itself the mission is to make contact with oh, right. new species and exactly you know uh, if you're in archer's position mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You, you go ahead and give it a shot. I know it's just a matte painting, you know, and everything, but I love the future city image. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so Epcot. Epcot Center at Walt Disney World in Florida. But I love it. It's it's awesome. Um, it doesn't really have any weather, though. It, it's somehow the air is too still or something. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, it's, it's obviously a matte painting. Um and oh god they start describing the disease and i'm like oh my god this is so timely yeah oh it's a uh. disease that moves into the respiratory system and then stops the heart and i'm and it's planets in an epidemic and ah, and the more aggressively they try to treat it the more resistant the disease and i'm just like jesus yeah um <laughs> Yeah, it definitely <gasps> hit close to home as we record in the COVID yeah, era. No shit. And it's really bad. Like, it's definitely, you know, in on this plant, you know, in this fictional universe, it's definitely much worse than it is here. I mean, one in three people are infected, you know, in this world. Um, and uh, Flox has a treatment 
it's not a cure or anything, but he has something that will make them feel better um, and help them breathe better or whatever. And Hoshi meets this kind of small dude that doesn't speak the same language and she can't get the universal translator to work. English, motherfucker, do you speak it? So she's sitting there going like, wait... Wait, hold on. Boop, boop, boop. She's like hitting the Ziggy thing, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. like, wait, what? Sorry. Yeah. It's just really throwing her off. The other doctor who yeah, is incredibly tall. He is a very tall doctor. Yeah, he is a really tall actor. He is a giant yeah. man. <laughs> this gigantic and doctor. He's, he's definitely, it, the rest of the people are not just as tall as he is. It, it's just this actor. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just funny because the guy who she's talking to does seem, you know, on the small side. Mm-hmm, Later mm-hmm. on, we see more of these folks and they don't all seem quite Look as like that. short, yeah. you know? So I think yeah. it's just hilarious that they put that actor and then this actor. <laughs> right. Maybe it makes sense in the context of what happens next because she's like, right. what's with this guy? And then mm-hmm. the doctor says something to him and then the little guy goes, yeah, 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 and then, yeah whatever, yeah. and then leaves. Yeah turns out he's part of a separate species that evolved mm-hmm. intelligence on the same planet right and which which is insane uh yeah we have never seen that like uh, homo sapiens killed or, or outbred or whatever mm-hmm. uh, the man, yeah. outlasted Neanderthal. mm-hmm. neanderthals the hobbit people whatever there there were a bunch of other bipedal Mm -hmm. species that didn't make it Mm -hmm. and so i love this idea yeah because it's like well what if the neanderthals had uh stuck around right that's a completely different planet that is a totally different society a totally different world Mm -hmm. so yeah so that idea is great and he's like yeah they're immune to the disease but their physiology is just like out of whack from ours or something i don't know right it felt dismissive you know he's like yeah we checked and you know just no man right right and and flox is like no i want that data too please yeah you know um there wasn't a quick scene though where to paul suggests to ahab that she put they put a security team with flocks and his equipment and ahab's like no these people are really nice and i'm like no 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 yeah <laughs> yeah listen to your freaking science officer please listen to huey yeah <laughs> seriously so paul tells them look roll up the windows this might be a bad neighborhood yeah exactly <laughs> we don't know we've never been here before she's sensitive enough to realize that a civilization that is in this kind of extremely precarious and devastating time aka right now you know one in three people are infected and they're dying like by the millions you know they are going to be on edge they're gonna do things that they're not you know they normally wouldn't you know, they seem nice, but you're just talking to the doctors. Like, you need to realize that shit is, can, could go down. I'm bringing nine checks. They're sitting on a powder keg. Yeah, really. exactly. Yeah. They introduced this other race as the mink, which made me just keep thinking mink. And I kept, you know, just, I couldn't get the mink out of my head. Wait, how did they spell it? Because I thought they said mank as in M-A-N-C. Which I cracked up laughing because that's like a nickname for someone from Manchester. Oh. <laughs> and I just busted out laughing. I was like, thanks. <laughs> like, I've got uh, Eccles Cakes. I've got Eccles Cakes. Closed captioning, it was M-E-N-K, Mank. 
Mank. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it sounded a lot like Mank. I mean, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. I just kept picturing uh, Carl from Idiot Abroad. Oh. I, <laughs> just a, an entire species of Carl. <laughs> One of our closest living relatives, 98% genetically identical to a human. The native doctor, he's surprised that Ahab and T'Pol aren't from the same planet. And Ahab, like, looks like he wants to laugh. He's like, hey, 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 you know, I'm not from the same planet she is. It's almost like he was like, I thought you were a couple. And, and he's like, no. And yeah, she, right. but she, like, gives, she, like, looks like she wants to hit him. Pretty offended by the question. Totally. She's like, no, these are stupid apes that I have to put up with <laughs> who smell bad. I am a high elf, and I don't need any of this shit, actually. And I think we should pack up and leave. Yeah, exactly. A ship lies anchored in the Grey Havens. It waits to carry her across the sea. The voiceover letter uh, talks about him working hard on the disease and how fulfilling it is, but he doesn't want to raise their hopes. Um, He calls it a disaster. Not good. And he enlists Cutler to help him get... Uh, more information about the Manx and she's like all super stoked to be able to go down to the planet and work and everything and they do clarify that she's an exobiologist smooth move mm-hmm. nicely done look I did something kind of similar ended up marrying her yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> it can work yeah yeah <laughs> uh, oh oh you you play you play horn so you know my band needs a horn player it's it work. Mm-hmm. It happens. It happens. Flocks to decides to talk to T'Pol of all people about what Cutler feels about him, and she gets all because it's so funny because she has a cavity and she's like that is not possible. I love that so much because <laughs> we've all had that thought like uh-huh. you get a cavity and you're like what? What do you mean? Excuse me? Me? But but I had a f- I've had a feeling. Uh-huh. I love and she totally that tries so to get much. out of it. She's like, "Oh, you, well, you must be busy, so I'll go. I'll, I'll tell. I'll take care of this later." <laughs> it's hilarious. It's so great because uh, she's so subtle with it. She's so deadpan with it. <laughs> but we've all been there. I love that. I love that bit so much. Uh, and it only takes like a minute to repair. And I'm just like, I hate this. I want the future of medicine to be here now. Mm-hmm. Dealing with medievalism here. Like it literally took a minute. Oh, just, God damn it. <laughs> I love how he asks her about this because my dentist does the same thing. He's got his like hands in my mouth and <laughs> something is going, you know, whatever. And then he's like asking me questions about my job and shit. So you uh, go fishing? You know, yeah, yeah. He's just like, he's like, he he knows where I'm from, so he starts asking me about food. You know, it's just like, oh, something's called. He's, he's like 900 years old. He's kind of awesome. He's like, he's like, oh, what's the Holy Trinity? What is it? You know, and, it's, and I'm going, I'm sorry. And the whole thing. And I think that when you've been doing that for a while, like for Dennis, I think that you're able to understand people. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'm like sure parents he's... with a three-year-old. With yep. The three-year-old yep. comes yep. and goes, and they're like, yeah, yeah, you sit there going, what the hell did the kid just say? And then the parent's like, oh, he wants this, blah, 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 you know, and you're like, okay. Sure, I don't know. But then she she tells him 
that Cutler may just be curious and is trying to get closer to him to satisfy her curiosity. And Phlox looks crushed. He does. It's sad. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I wanna... She's like wrong, but like I, I get where she's coming from. She might not be wrong, though. She might you know? not I mean, be. Yeah, yeah, you totally don't know at this point whether she is or not. Um, so it's, it's, but yeah, but the, the crushed look on, on Flogs' face is kind of adorable. Um, yeah, I think so, a lot of us have been there where it's like, oh, oh I was talking to so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I know them. Um, let me tell you, you know, and then it's like, oh, yeah, oh, no, yeah I, her, I didn't think of it that way. Their, uh, their partner, their significant other is a friend of mine or whatever. And you're like, oh, uh, yeah. Never mind. Uh, at first I thought it was insane that he asked, uh, to Paul anything about this of all yeah. people yeah uh, but then again like who else like he already talked to Hoshi who's like his buddy and so he's going to talk to the only other alien on the ship for sort of that outside perspective sure yeah no it makes perfect sense for him to ask to Paul yeah yeah plus you kind of want somebody who's like looking at it from a totally unemotional standpoint if you can get that ob- not objective objective because everyone brings mm-hmm. their own thing and she oh, certainly does with her like yeah, yeah humans are children kind of thing <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know trying to get a colder more outside perspective is generally a yeah. good idea i mean she just straight up says humans don't have the emotional depth to, to date, date other, other species. species yeah yeah and and i'm like hey you know she's right <laughs> <laughs> look how long it took us to allow people to fucking get married who were you know two different colors for god's sakes yeah it's true um so we're in ahab's office and he's got the little leather book oh yeah what's back what is in there what is the leather book <laughs> what is it <laughs> So Flox has come to see him and Ahab says that the doctor on the planet wants to know if there's any progress and he looks super unhappy. Yeah. He says he's developed a medication to ease the symptoms, but you know, it's, it's not being caused by a virus or bacteria. It's a genetic thing that is destroying their chromosomes and it's been going on for thousands of years, but now the, the mutations that are creating the problem have accelerated and like the whole species has like 200 years. Yeah. Can you imagine finding out like they're all going to be dead? This whole race is going yeah. to be dead in less than 200 years. That is not a long time. At all. That's terrifying. I, it is. I can only imagine, you know, discovering that. And then, of course, it gets more complicated after after that, which we'll get to. But yeah. Um, but perhaps the Manx have the answers. He said all the badness that was in me was transferred to the guinea pig. So somewhere, you know, there's a guinea pig walking around with major shits. Right. And Ahab was all optimistic as usual. He's like, you know, uh, if there is a cure, you know, is there a cure? And Phlox is like, no, it, it's going to be very difficult to reverse because this is a genetic chromosomal issue. And Ahab's like, but is it possible? And uh, he's like, well, the mank immunity shows something could be done. You know, it might blah, blah, blah. May I just remind everyone, though, that the level of study that he is doing would have taken years 
in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, 40 doctors in multiple countries. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is... This is, this is hardcore stuff he's doing he's doing cdc level work by himself totally alone yeah and yeah he's got the advantage of the technology that they have relative to sure uh, the manx and the mm-hmm. whatever the thing is <laughs> Valakians. sure uh, yeah I, I imagine dr crusher could knock it out even faster even yeah. faster but yeah it's, yeah it's pretty wild it is it's yeah the fact that he doesn't need to sleep i guess is a big help probably helps yeah uh, which yep. does come up later uh, I, I love how much we learn about the denobulans uh it makes me wish they had come up with this species a while back because <laughs> it would have been fun mm-hmm. to have, have had a denobulan on board for TNG or DS9 mm-hmm. or Voyager. Actually, Voyager. Or Voyager would be really cool. That's yeah, what yeah. they needed. They needed a Denobulan because, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the chemistry, cast chemistry just wasn't really there. If we were closer to home, I would lock you up and turn you over to my authorities for trial. So anyway, he goes to work on the Mank, you know, to get their, you know, get information about them. And the voiceover talks about how rare it is to be able to study two humanoid species on the same planet and how he's fascinated by not only the biological reality of this, but also also their uh, ability to exist peacefully, even more rare. He's real into it. He's like, oh, well, this is great, but the humans are seeing something else here. Yeah. And I think that they're bringing, um, I was going to say baggage, but that's not, that has I feel like that has a negative connotation. Uh, they're bringing the more recent historical like experience, experience in the context of yeah. racism and everything uh, having yeah. happened on their own planet. Absolutely, in, in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. from bad to like truly horrifying and on horrifying mm-hmm. scales. Uh, yeah. You know, all of these people, of course, are born after the whole World War Three and all that, but they didn't yeah. lose all their history. I'm pretty sure right. they know that slavery and genocide and all these things, these yeah, yeah, civil yeah. rights struggles, yeah. yes, all these things happened. Mm-hmm. And so when they mm-hmm. see like a, a separate but equal situation, they go, oh, maybe mm-hmm. not. Yeah, yeah. Well, never mind the fact that these people are li- like, their their clothes look like they were made from potato sacks. Um, the Velakians don't let them let them live where the land is fertile. Yeah. They provide food and clothing and medicine to the Mank. Basically, they keep them nice and dependent mm-hmm. on the Velakians, which I'm sure from the Velakians' perspective is really great. You know, they feel they're being really nice, but it's I mean it's the same kind of separate but equal stuff. You know. And the Mank man that is helping them, um, it come, turns out his name is Lar. They only mention it once or twice. Um, but he's he can he's demonstrating that he's starting to pick up their language and is smarter than they have been uh, told he is, basically. He's picking up words for food and no and mm-hmm. things like that. But it's clear that they're totally capable of communicating and mm-hmm. learning. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe these aren't the simpletons that exactly. they've been led to believe. Right, right. One of them takes Flox's samples and like 
super organizes them and shit. Color coded by, you know, by family and blood type and stuff. And, and it's the same dude. It's the same Lar guy. Oh, it's the um, same guy. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but I mean, everyone they talk to is kind and patient and easy to get along with and, you know, and all that. So, I mean, it's like on the, he says uh, that on the surface they may seem primitive, but I think that they're being under underestimated. And I like the way that that sets up. And from everything I'd seen so far, and then even more so, I started thinking later, I was like, oh, there's going to be like a, um, like a force dependence mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like how TNG had that episode about like drug dealers and whatever, right. that mm-hmm. whole thing. I was thinking it was going to be something like that. That's what, right. that's the shoe that I thought was going to drop. And it was like, oh, they made them this way. And now they're going to but it's not quite that i love that it's not that because i was like oh yeah i think i see I this coming like that. right 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 i'm really glad that they did it the way that they did mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. but we'll get there I, I love this scene so they're in the village still and they're kind of wrapping things up and then hoshi totally wingmans the fuck out <laughs> she's yeah. so awesome she's like i'm i'm gonna help lar pack up so he can get to his hospital shift wingman Cutler starts talking about how it's not really cool that the Valakians treat the Mank like pets. And Phlox, this is very interesting, Phlox starts trying to explain that it's their way and most of the time that a situation like this would have ended with one species being wiped out, you know, possibly violently. Um, And she doesn't get it. And he, you know, he asks her if she's married. She makes the, you know, he makes the point and tests her crush on him by letting her know that he has three wives and that they have three husbands and that this is totally normal on Denobula. Um, And here's where some fucking anthropology background would have come in fucking handy. This cultural relativism kind of discussion is interesting Mm -hmm. when you've got people coming from two very different cultures. Mm -hmm. She's bringing more recent cultural memories. Yeah. Like we were talking about. And he's just like, well, they're getting along, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've got to assume that Denovula just doesn't have the history of oppression and racism that humans do. That's the only thing I can figure is that they're either so, so past it. Yeah. That it's it's not even part of their history, really. I don't want to spoil anything, but no. Okay. Um, that comes up later in another episode with flocks. Ah, uh, okay. But, but what he's doing is, you know, he, he says he's confronting her about his crush, her crush, and she admits it. And he makes the point that if his cultural differences don't matter to her, then the Valachian and Mank cultural differences shouldn't matter. And I'm like, uh, she's still, yeah. she yeah. doesn't, yeah, she doesn't pick up on this point. You know, and I and I got to agree with her on on that point. I don't think separate but equal is OK. I don't think that, you know, if I were a Valachian, I may perfectly find this perfectly acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think I would be on her side if I were a Starfleet officer there. There's something else I noticed with this in this conversation. They are lit totally differently yeah they're standing next standing like facing each other they're right by each other and they are lit completely opposite mm-hmm. 
So she's got like firelight glow that's sort of natural. They just like there is a fire on, yeah, outside yeah, yeah. where they shot this and mm-hmm. and it's just burning and they sh- and they shot it at her. At least that's what it looks like. I mean, maybe people who yeah. know a lot more about lighting on sets <laughs> lighting, could, yeah, could yeah. tell us more or, or like, oh, no, no, it wasn't really that. I can tell because this and this. Go ahead, let us know. Maybe you know about that. We are Star Trek stuff at gmail.com. Yes, please. And then opposite when... We're looking at him, mm-hmm. big, harsh, bright, cold light. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't figure out why. I mean, I'm, I'm just started thinking like, why? Why is this? Like, there's no light over her shoulder mm-hmm. that would be that source. So mm-hmm. it's just like a light that's that they stuck up there, mm-hmm. uh, out of out of frame to light him up. Does maybe flocks in the makeup look scary in firelight? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> m- maybe it would have been like too sexy, but I think, yeah. oh, fuck, it, fuck it, why not? Fuck it, why not? Yeah, because yeah. if it is too, if it is like steamier when they're both in f- fire flickering light kind yeah. of thing like that, when she says, "Look, I don't want to be wife number four, cut out the next line, which yeah. I'll get to in a second, and then just say. Let's just see where this goes. And right. then she walks off totally mm-hmm. hot. Like that would have been great. Yeah. You yeah. know, totally hot, but like also like chased, like nothing like they're not, there's no blue light, sexy rub down. It's just people talking <laughs> and you right. make it happen with chemistry, which is yeah. fantastic, which is yeah. great acting. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I don't want to be wife number four. Uh, I just want to be your friend. And he's like, what does that mean? Yeah. Which I think is a legit question. Yeah. Yeah. That, context mm-hmm. even if you are human if yeah. you're a dude you're just wait, wait, what? Let, let's clarify that so like we'll just go, like, go to the game together I don't know what that means and then <laughs> so <laughs> she's like let's just see where this goes and it's like okay alright she's alright yeah she, she is into me it would have worked a lot better without the friend bit and I think uh, if they had not done that weird thing with the lights but mm-hmm. I, I don't know that's that's just me. So Ahab comes to visit the dude that was on the ship that they found. Um, and The astronaut. Yes, the astronaut. Um, and I got to admit, he seems to be talking quite easily for someone with a respiratory disease. Um, the conversation is, you know, so simple. It's, um, thank you for bringing me home so fast. Can we have ships like that? Give us warp technology. And Ahab does this thing where he's like, hey, it's it's fucking rough out there. Like he's like, you might not be meet people that are willing to help. Um, And he's like, you know, whatever. We just need help, you know, so we'll take our chances. Um, And Phlox calls him and Ahab leaves to meet him up, meet up with them at the uh, shuttle pod, which at some point in Star Trek canon has just been changed to shuttle. Yeah. I like shuttle better than shuttle pod. Yeah, I mean, also like phase pistol becomes yeah. just phaser. Yeah. You phaser, know? yeah. That's that, that's fine. Okay. I think you can have clunkier names for mm-hmm. a new mm-hmm. clunky technology, and then Absolutely. as it sleeks up, get out, and sleek up the name. Yeah, nobody says telephone anymore. So back on the ship, to Paul's warning and and caution comes true because she tells him that they've received like twenty nine calls and two ships that just dropped in on them. Because of the mistaken belief that they had that the ship had a cure. I heard Matt got a Sega Genesis. I heard Matt got a Sega Genesis. Like, told you, you know. Uh, this was my Berman moment because mm. <laughs> when he walks in, 
she's in the captain's chair, but she's just like sitting on the very, very edge of it. Yeah. And I'm like, that's very uncomfortable. Why would she sit like that? Oh, because the outfit. This poor woman is Uh in an outfit where you could not actually sit in a chair like that. Yeah. Like it would just rip open because she can't breathe Mm -hmm. in this fucking thing. I'm told it's the latest fashion in London. Well, women in London must have learned not to breathe. You don't have to put people in skin tight outfits. Like we know they're hot. Like just. Yeah. You put them on TV. They're good looking people. You put them on TV. Okay, fine. Yeah. Like you, you don't. You don't need to torture them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. When your actor can't sit down. This was also true on, on Voyager. Poor Jerry Ryan couldn't sit. Couldn't go to the bathroom. Couldn't do anything. Like what the fuck? Between takes, she had to lie down. Yeah. There's no in between. You can't lean on anything you can't just like hang out in that fucking corset fucking ridiculous it's just shitty it's a shitty thing to do to your actors he wanted a barbie doll if you had mattel's barbie in some of her new outfits just think of the fun you could have ahab wants to talk to her privately and he tells her about the discussion that he had with sick dude and they discuss how even if he gave them the specs they have no experience working with the materials and the energy needed to create warp drive antimatter they have no idea how dangerous it is and he realizes boom bing they're not ready Mm -hmm. and this is the moment i've been waiting for because he's like well we could you know stick around teach them and to paul says the vulcans stayed to help earth 90 years ago we're still there Mm-hmm. A eureka moment, Ahab is like he finally fucking gets it. And we've been building to this for a few episodes. Remember, we, we've exactly. we've kind of been joking about strange new inner worlds, yeah. personal growth. Uh-huh. Archer is yeah. all builds yeah. to this line right here, mm-hmm. where he says, mm-hmm. "I hate to say this, but I'm beginning to understand how the Vulcans felt." Hallelujah. Holy shit, dude. What? Yeah. I did not think I was going to hear that line. Like, that's kind of amazing. It's a major moment for the character. You can extrapolate this, and I feel like this is part of what makes this such a great episode. And when Trek is at its best is when you can take something and kind of tease things out of it we stayed to help 90 years ago we're still there i started thinking about american empire and all the bases that we have all over the world Mm -hmm. uh it's been 70 something years since we put bases in japan and in germany Mm -hmm. and they're Mm -hmm. gonna be there 20 years from now so they'll be we'll be able to do the 90 years ago bit Just getting all of that from a scene like this is part of what can make science fiction really fantastic because you could just do it in uh, a setting with aliens and shit. Exactly. And that way it doesn't seem quite so heavy handed, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And occasionally it does get heavy handed. But, sure. But sure. if, if you've got a good writing staff, they can manage to not do it heavy handed. Um, so, so yeah. So then we go to Phlox in Six Bay and he's having a revelation of his own. We only know this because of the acting and there's a big music swell because uh, other there's no dialogue or anything. There's just like... Uh, 
a dawning look on Flox's face and the music is, you know, and that's it. At that point, I was thinking it was something like the addiction thing or they made the Manx and now the Manx have... Have yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 caused a disease. I don't know something like that. I was like, oh, it's addiction or hubris moment thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally thought that's what was coming. I thought it was too. Yeah. Um. So Flox comes upon Ahab, and and the impression is that this is in the middle of the night. Ahab is drinking sweet tea. How about the sweet tea? Y'all want the sweet tea? And Flox goes in for a Danish, and I'm like, I would be Flox in this scenario. I need a Danish. <laughs> is that what that was? I couldn't tell what that I was. Think so okay, I think so. It was, you know, um, they talk about his hibernation cycle, and I don't want to spoil anything, so I'll just say, can't wait for you to see that. Um, I, I vaguely do remember that that there's like a yeah. like a like a like a madcap wacky episode about <laughs> Flox trying to sleep. Yeah. I don't remember right, any right. details. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I remember once we'll he just, said that, we'll just, yeah. that vague memory like, oh, started yeah. to come back. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, we'll see it. But, yeah, <laughs> I love this idea we'll of not having to sleep. If you would you oh, do this or yeah. are you are you more of a like, oh, God, I love just like sleep and sleeping in and all this. I love to sleep. But if I could not sleep and then just do it once a year for like 10 days at a time oh my god that'd be amazing i would get so much done i would i would be so productive well it would be kind of hard because like it's like 3 a.m we don't live in new york or anything like that where everything is just going 24 hours Mm -hmm. so i think i would just watch more tv to be honest i would just watch more trek (laughs) that's what i would do with all that extra time right i think i would set out to be like okay i'm gonna have all these extra hours I can practice my yeah. instrument. I can become like, you know, really amazing. Sure. I could do a whole nother podcast that I have like in yeah, mind, yeah, but yeah. like I don't have time to actually do that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but nah, I would just end up playing video games <laughs> and shit. I wouldn't do anything useful. <laughs> There's no fucking same. chance. <laughs> Probably same. Yeah, you're right. Never mind. What am I talking about? What have I gotten done while I've been, you know, stuck at home all this time? Nothing. Yeah, we started, started a, a podcast. podcast. I haven't exercised once. Mean oh dude. Have definitely, definitely not exercised. No, I have not exercised at all. Not at all. And I am so like, I'm like, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to get up and do. No, nope. never happens. This is literally the only productive thing I've done. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's pathetic. Um, so uh, their conversation, you know, goes, have you found a cure? And then Flox is like, even if I could find a cure, I don't think it would be ethical. And Flox explains that the process that is happening is a natural evolution. The Mank are getting smarter and the Valachians are dying out. Um, and here's the, this is it. This is the conundrum of the episode. Do we let nature take its course or do we interfere as we sort of do anytime we cure a disease? Mm-hmm. Um, are, are we choosing one species over another? And Ahab is in the to hell with nature camp and Flox is in the let nature take its course camp. Uh, Flox is like, you know, he's like, you're a doctor. And Flox is like, I'm a scientist. I have to see the bigger picture. The only thing that I think is slightly weak is his uh, I'm a scientist and uh, I have to see the bigger picture. Um, Right. I don't know if that's a science question as much as it is a political one. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Or anthropological, actually. 
Mm-hmm. This is probably the best moral dilemma I've seen in Trek. Like I kept thinking like, I'm like, Tuvix, man, Tuvix didn't come close. No, not at all. To this. Mm-hmm. The, the scale of this is so massive. Mm-hmm. The weight of it is so huge yeah. that I don't think Tuvix comes close. Nope. Uh, I have a vague memory of like there being another... Uh, episode more too Vixy in Enterprise, something about Trip and a clone or some shit. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of one from DS9. I'm sure there's something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in this area, but man, I don't think there's anything as no, big as this. I don't either. I don't either. I can't think of anything. This idea of a species has specifically asked us for help, mm-hmm. and that could be the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. That is mind-blowing. It is. I still don't know where I land on this. I mean, I think oh, we'll we'll but we'll get to what they do, you know, in in a second. Fox's argument also is evolution is a scientific principle. It happens whether we, you know, force it to or not. This is not a bacteria. This is not a virus. This is not something that came upon them. This is something that has been happening for thousands of years. And you know, he's like, you're letting that compassion get in the way of your judgment. And Ahab's like, my compassion guides my judgment. And, you know, finally he admits that he has already found a cure. The voiceover goes goes back on and, and he's talking about how he's found himself in conflict with Ahab and that he hopes Ahab can look beyond, beyond his sympathy and, you know, Ahab comes in and he says he's going to go with what Flocks thinks is best. And it goes against everything that he thinks is right. And he's obviously been influenced by his com- conversation with DePaul. Run! Because he starts talking in hypothetical about the prime directive. It's a, it's a little much in terms of this idea where he's like, someday right. there shall be a, I don't <laughs> a know, guiding principle. directive, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of thing. You know, and the music is getting bigger right. and stuff like that. And it's like, look, the, the prime directive might be prime directive, but like every time it comes up, our captains are violating it to some extent. Right. It gets, it's a rule that gets bent a oh, lot. Sure, and sure. it's why the prime directive never seemed quite so prime to me. Right. It's general order number one, a mm-hmm. uh, hundred years from this point in, uh, in, in disco. Yeah. I don't know why they, Istanbul, not Constantinople changed it, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just from general order one to prime directive. I, yeah. I guess just to give it a little more oomph. Maybe. Yeah. But, but the way he is, I mean, it, you know, regardless of how cheesy he, you know, has put it, if he's realizing that if he had had something like that, he wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah. Nature would have taken its course and he would not have to play God. Okay, so if you've got the prime directive and you find that ship, it's a pre-warp ship. You just don't touch it. I guess not. You just walk away, basically. It feels cold, but I mean, I guess that's the idea is that it, it's supposed to. That is exactly the idea. Because cause like T'Pol said, she's, you know, Vulcans have been there for the past 90 years and they're still walking humans through, you know, everything that's happening. Yeah. It sucks. But but I mean, there's been plenty of times um, there have been other episodes where they did follow the prime directive and you, you know, knew that 
because they did, thousands of people would die or, you know, this whatever would be wiped out or whatever. It's a harsh thing, but really works out to your advantage later. I guess so. I mean, it's it's an ongoing discussion. Like I remember exactly. Ro- Robert Beltran... <laughs> who played Chakotay in uh, Voyager, just randomly tweeting, the Prime Directive's stupid. That's some bullshit. I'm trying to help you. I'm sorry you don't see that. People go back and forth about it on, on in online discussions and things like oh, that. Oh, sure. And I think that's great. No, it, it... And any kind of moral dilemma is worth talking about, is worth discussing. Absolutely. I come down hard on the Prime Directive is good because of a lot of reasons. I, you know, I don't want to make this a whole Prime Directive discussion, but I definitely am on the side of Prime Directive. I guess I grudgingly am, too. I, I've, mm-hmm. I've, uh, I, I get that Kirk thing where it's like, no, 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 there, there's no no-win scenario. Like, there's there's got to be some kind of way to, I don't know, like like in this situation, is there a way to speed up the mank? Intelligence or something, yeah. Something, yeah. I, I kept thinking about this, like, okay, what if... They gave them the cure, but only X amount of doses. Oof. And it's like, well, then what happens? Like only mm-hmm. the rich and well-connected are going to get it. And then they're still going right? to rule over the mank. He says it, Ahab says it very succinctly. He says he didn't come out here to play God. And that is what happens when you interfere. Yeah. When you're the one who has superior technology or superior knowledge you end up playing God. What does God need with a starship? He hates the Vulcans because of how they played the humans. Yeah. You know, and how they held back information and held back technology and all of that. But that it was their only way of not playing God. And it was a shitty way of not playing God, you know, but it still was the best they could do. And I like how Archer doesn't say exactly in that scene what he's decided to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you you pretty much get it, but it's yeah. not said out loud. Like uh, when they go to the next scene, when they're in that same hospital room and they're talking to the abnormally tall doctor. Who seems to be the only doctor on the planet. There's no government or anything. They're just talking to this one doctor. Yeah, they went to this one doctor at this one hospital, and they're just like, "Yeah, we talked to you." There's no Surgeon yeah. General equivalent. There's no <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this government. Just, he stands for the entire species. They uh, didn't meet the uh, prime minister, no, whatever, right, president, right. whatever. Exactly. Yeah. First minister, as some of these planets have. Just, uh-huh. no, no, we just talked to this, this one, one guy. doctor. One doctor. Maybe he's both. Because maybe yeah, this planet yeah. is like Invader Zim, where whoever is the tallest is in charge. <laughs> <laughs> My tallest? I was not expecting. My tallest? I was not expecting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I love it. <laughs> so, but, uh, so the, they're in this hospital, and then they're just like, well, here's basically aspirin. You're fucked. Yeah. Yeah, they give them something that helps them, but doesn't fix it. Yeah, maybe you'll find your own cure, slugger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get on out there. <laughs> and and what I love about what I love about that though is he goes, "Can you give us, you know, your warp drive or whatever?" And he's like, "I'm sorry." No, no discussion after that. Just 
I'm sorry. Uh, I imagine that when you're writing that, you have a whole lot more lines and you just keep writing and deleting and writing and deleting. And then you just yeah. go, yeah, it's just, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes right down to it, that's the only thing they can say. If he says to them, well, we could help you with that, but you're not ready for it and you're going to blow yourselves up and stuff. Then he's going to be, he's going to hate himself for sounding like a Vulcan. Totally. And they are fucking lucky that this planet didn't have ships come and try to take over the Enterprise. Straight up steal it. I get the impression that had they had the weapons and the technology, you know, they, they might have given that a shot. Yeah. Because they had other ships approach them mm-hmm. uh, when T'Pol was trying to balance herself on the chair, the poor woman. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> can't make her look like she has normal sized thighs for god's sakes no god no can't have that mm-hmm. she's got to be stick figure the next scene is flocks finishing up his letter and he talks about how he almost misjudged ahab and for this episode i'm you know i'm proud of ahab but we'll see how it goes in the future so he hands over his letter which is again Wire computers not big enough to simply put that in an e-file to be sent. Right. <laughs> right. I, I just got to assume things just got massively reset after World War Three. I, I, I don't. And, and everything kind of went off on a weird track and there's no Internet. There's no Internet. That's what I'm thinking. The Internet got destroyed in World okay, War Three. OK. Sure. You know what? That's going to be my headcanon that uh, explains all of Star Trek because <laughs> There is no internet at all in, in Star Trek. Uh-huh. They have voicemail and they have FaceTime, but... And they have the chips. Yeah. But other than that, the technology is still a lot of like physical stuff. There's no there, there's no cloud yes. computing. Like the Enterprise <laughs> had just like a computer, like just a central yeah. computer with a finite the amount of space. central computer, yeah. Which I assume that yeah. they had to go in... Like all the enterprises. I assume that they had to go in mm-hmm. and just like clear out the cash file and shit like that. <laughs> Every once in a while, you know, they just delete old program, delete old holodeck programs and shit. And yeah. Yeah. So when he sends this letter off, I just kept thinking like Flox is very confident that his pen pal is going to agree with him because if you hear mm-hmm. that story and if you disagree with him, you're like, they just let this whole fucking race die because another race yeah. might yeah. take over. Like they could have saved these people. Yeah. This feels like intergalactic scandal. Definitely something that probably should have been under wraps. Yeah, I wouldn't have told anybody that. Probably more of a classified file. Yeah, I wouldn't have <laughs> told know? anybody that shit. Yeah. That'd be like, no. In case I was wrong about something that massive. Nah, dude, I'm not telling anybody. So anyway, she Hoshi tells him that he needs to get out of sick bay. She also touches him. And this is the third time in the episode that he that someone touches him. Since it's the third time somebody in the, you know, has touched him in the episode, he still like he rubs his arm after Hoshi touches him. So it's obviously like still a thing. But he's trying to get used to it, which I I thought that was an interesting character moment did you notice um in the scene where archer talks to the astronaut guy when he's in the hospital bed not not when he's on the ship but when he's on the planet and he's like asking him about warp tech archer touches him on the shoulder yeah and then he walks off and then uh the guy kind of looks at the hand in the shoulder like huh the fuck was that (laughs) yeah yeah like he's not mad but he's just like 
oh, that's a cultural, I guess they do that. Like he, like he got yeah, it, yeah. but it looked like he wasn't used to it or anything. Right. Uh, it wasn't dissimilar from uh, Flox's reaction. Right. And I thought that was a great <laughs> touch. <laughs> I did not mean, I hate puns. Um, <laughs> I thought that was a great idea. Yes. It kind of makes the humans the outsiders. That's kind of the the impression I got. It was it was like the humans were the ones being studied in this episode. And it also points to human compassion, which is a recurring theme that runs through this. Yes. This episode is great. I had completely forgotten how good it was because I, I rem- the only thing I remember was um, being very upset by the moral dilemma and just being like, oh, I don't know about that. And like having it basically turn me off and just be like, oh, I don't want to watch that again. Yeah. But this time when I watched it, I was like, this is great. Uh, he calls Cutler and they have a snack in the mess hall because he needs a friend. That's nice. Hoshi's line is get out of sick bay because it's literal, <laughs> but then it's also like, Go get like, <laughs> you need to you need to go. <laughs> yeah. You know, when he calls Cutler, it's 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 cute. And you know, he's 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 like, I uh I need a friend. Yeah. I need a friend. Oh, he's just a friend. Don't give me that. Don't even give me that. Just watch this. On paper and the way that it's done, it's pretty uh clean and Oh yeah chase and everything i just i don't know maybe i have a dirty mind i don't know but that's what i <laughs> i think that's what they were kind of like winking nodding at is, really i know. didn't get that a, a, a little there's something it's maybe and he t- talks to his animals on the way out he talks to his animals just as much and with a very human uh phrase sweet dreams yes very true. Very true. Our next episode uh, is a just a nice, good, old, fun Klingon episode. It's a pretty good one as far as I remember. Yeah. Awesome. All right. It's one I have watched multiple times. But does it have, I can see my house from here? I can see my house from here. Because that's still the greatest <laughs> Klingon line of all oh. time. <laughs> I can see my house from here. I can see my house from here. <laughs> that is a brilliant, that is such a good line. <laughs> really. Oh, my God. Oh, if it doesn't have, I can see my house from here. Uh, Then I'm just kind of like, all right, fine. We'll do another one. (laughs) Oh, God. So. I can see my house from here. Band name. Uh, I had two. Uh, They were related. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Manx. Gotcha. But I spelled it like M-A-N-C-S because I didn't know Mm -hmm. better at the time. Mm -hmm. But I think Mm -hmm. M-E-N. Is it M-E-N-K-S? It's M-E-N-K. Yeah, yeah. Mank. Yeah, the the mm-hmm. the mank the manks. I think that that could be cool, mm-hmm. um, but it sounds like minks, like M I N X. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that would work too. Actually, the minks. I think that could work as a band name. That's fine. That's uh, funny because I uh, mine was just mink mink mink. <laughs> mink mink mink. <laughs> the other one I had was uh, curing Manchester. Nice. Uh, yeah, even though they weren't, they were curing, uh, you know, minks. The no, the minks were fine. They were curing oh, the Valakians. Valakians. But I liked curing Manchester as a. I like that. As a name, it's you know, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What about you? Yeah, just make make make. That's it. That's all I had. Oh, mink, okay. Mink, mink. I see them as kind of a an OK Go kind of band. Ah, okay. I like that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Both the Manx and Kiri Manchester are, are very, um, uh, well, no, the Manx is very garage rock. Yeah. And then Curing Manchester. Well, that could be a lot of stuff. I don't know. London in the late 80s kind of feel. Okay. Yeah. So like some uh, gothy, dreamy pop stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'll work. I was thinking post-hardcore, so I like your idea a lot better. (laughs) Curing Manchester sounds like an awful post-hardcore band that I would hate. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, non-Star Trek recommendation. Inverhouse scotch okay it's super cheap if you don't like tell people it's a cheap scotch just like here try this or try and go like oh that's not bad yeah that's so good. it's it's a it's a decent scotch for very little money and if you just kind of sip on it it's very nice and I, as i have been doing through this entire episode nice uh, yeah i'm telling you man i'm telling you man there have i have seen so many um like different YouTube uh, videos where they'll have like, uh, you know, an expert wine taster, an expert vodka taster or whatever. And they give them, you know, like four brands, one of them who's it's extremely expensive, one that's kind of expensive, one that's, you know, middling, you know, to cheap and then a really cheap one. And it's always surprising to me what they pick as the best. Yeah. Like they, there was one that was just all vodka and the dude picked like the cheapest vodka. I saw that one. And said that was the best one. And I was like, damn, man. I think he picked Popov. Popov. Yeah. That's what he picked. And I was like, fuck, I'll take this guy's recommendation. I don't give a fuck. That's what I bought last time I bought vodka. I was like, hey, Popov. Mm-hmm. That snobby guy like accidentally picked this. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought it. Yeah, I mean, fuck it. Oh, fuck it. Yes, that's your answer. That's your answer to everything. Tattoo it on your forehead. Your revolution is over, Mr. Lebowski. All right, well, well what about you? What's your non trek recommendation? Um, I was very happy with The Haunting of Bly Manor. I've seen a lot of people bitching about it. Oh, the acting. Oh, the writing. I thought it was fine. Like, I don't know what the what the fuck people are freaking out about. I think I think people like to bitch about stuff sometimes. Well, I liked Haunting of Hill House, so meh. I'm like, look, you know, not everything is perfect. You know, just fucking enjoy shit. Is it a, a sequel to Haunting of the Hill whatever? It wasn't a sequel. It was a companion i guess a lot of the same cast uh same director you know things like that the haunting of hill house was brilliant no doubt about it fantastic the ending kind of was a little weird but it was otherwise perfect the haunting of bly manor i saw nothing wrong with it it's very much i mean it's a little you know don't get me wrong it's a little depressing it is about death it is about uh mental illness it is about um dealing with uh you know trauma and shit like that so i mean it is not a light-hearted thing but it is really good i like that both of our recommendations are like these things are fine (laughs) (laughs) stop bitching they're actually good yeah 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 (laughs) why are you being so fancy this shit's all right exactly this is fine fine. you know All right, so hailing frequencies are open. Yes. If you want to donate to us, paypal.me forward slash Star Trek stuff is the PayPal where you can send that. And someone did this week, and they asked for, well, this. 
Welcome to Starfleet Admissions, Mr. Ventura. Governor. Oh, wait, really? Yes, one time they let me run a state on purpose. I've been in the halls of power. Huh. That happened in real life. Uh... Okay, well, what is it that you think you can bring to Starfleet? I've been a fighter. As in for Federation values, like justice, equality, that kind of thing? Well, kind of, but mostly it was with buff guys in spandex. Wait, uh... Also, I hunted an alien predator in the jungle. But let me tell you something. Wolf 359's got nothing on the body, and Hulk Hogan at St. Paul, Minnesota. Is that a Temerian phrase or something? 1985 was a hell of a year. So it sounds like you have combat experience. Am I understanding that correctly? I was a Navy SEAL. Like a Mako, but with more water instead of space. Ah, I see. Well, maybe Starfleet Security could use... I'm not going to be a cop. I'm not busting cadets for weed or whatever. You don't drug test, do you? Well, no. The only drug we need is chaw anyway. It'll make you into a goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus. I know what the drug war is all about. I've seen the documents. I've watched it all go down from inside my Baja beach shack. Well, there's no drug war anymore. I have a lot of maps there. Okay, well, did you bring any letters of recommendation? Yes, absolutely. One from Oliver Stone's kid. I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. He helped me blow the roof off of the Humanzy project on my show. You uncovered illegal genetic manipulation. Oh yeah, definitely. As a journalist. I talked to a guy who told me about it, and Oliver Stone's kid got some great footage of a fence around a building where they probably hid all the manimals. Totally exposed. I see. Before we go any further, what's your skullet policy here? So yeah, that's one way to support the show. Another Mm -hmm. is our brand new shiny and uh, fresh out of the replicator, uh, whatever, Patreon. We have a Patreon. Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Star Trek stuff. That's us. You can join. Uh, We only have one membership level. Look, we just can't right now with a whole bunch of extra stuff and everything. So we just have a very basic level called Porthos Petters because he's a very Mm -hmm. good boy. And so are you. Yes. Yes. Uh, Or whatever gender gender you identify with. That's completely fine. (laughs) You love Porthos and therefore we can have $5 a month and... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is effective advertising, and we're good at it. And we we have a really cool logo on the way, um, done by a friend of ours, and um, hopefully at some point soon we'll be able to put that on T-shirts, on mugs, on whatever. What? Tell us, would you rather have a T-shirt or a mug or something else? Would you prefer a sticker? Would you prefer? Like we put it on a pen. I, I don't know. Which, what what kind of thing would you want from us, you know, to support the show? Um, I love a T-shirt, but I'm really picky because I'm a large chested woman. So I need like a V-neck. I can't do male T-shirts. So let us know. Would you, you know, if you wanted the T-shirt, would you want to have the option for a V-neck or would you not care? You know, we want to hear from you. And um, we want you to be involved in this process um, with us because it doesn't really work if there's nobody listening. So let us know. We are Star Trek stuff 
at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Thanks, you guys. We will see you next time uh, on the show that this is. Uh, Big thanks to (laughs) Motherfucker for providing both intro and outro music. Uh, Check out the Holocaust Saviors on Audible. That is a book that I narrated, and it is mighty good. I like it. Yeah. Uh, It's about positive things during dark times, so I think that uh, we could all do with a dose of that. The Holocaust Saviors by Ryan Jenkins on Audible. Absolutely. Twitter, at Bag of Lasers, uh, L-A-Z-E-R-S. And and you are on Instagram, and the show is on Instagram. The show is on Instagram, Star Trek Stuff Podcast. Or is it at (laughs) Star Trek? Yeah, I don't know. Fuck. (laughs) That thing, y'all know how the gram works. It's Star Trek Stuff Podcast, all one word. See you there. And then also there's the Facebook group, uh, Star Trek Stuff Podcast. Join us on there if you're you're still on the Facebook. If you uh, have made it tolerable by blocking all your boomer relatives and you know whatever (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe you're a cool boomer and if you are a cool boomer well that's all right maybe you're a lifelong star trek fan and you absorbed the messages of star trek and didn't become a shithead and and we (laughs) think you're fucking great so please reach out to us we'd love to hear from you thank you for listening live Live long and prosper. prosper and black lives matter Did you finish Lower Decks uh, season? Dude, Lower Decks, Lower Decks, Lower... That fucking show is awesome. I can't believe how good it is. Oh my God, it's so good. Like, that was unbelievable. And it had an Enterprise reference in in that last Lower Decks. Yeah, it did. It was so good. I was so... I was like... (laughs) <laughs> it was oh my god those guys had a long way to go getting from there to here <laughs> <laughs> i just about died oh my god yeah that I'm, was so damn funny oh i'm gonna watch that whole thing all over again just binge it because it's it's so so good yeah i agree fuck that's awesome fucking love tandy's right, but- dog oh my god i love that dog yeah i love that whole that whole bit is amazing how she doesn't know what a dog is or what it does <laughs> So, so when it's doing all this one. insane shit, she's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> she just assumes that it's normal. Tendi is hysterical. Brilliant. Fucking brilliant. I loved when it just turned into a cube. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs>